0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Link Live. My name is Marina Mayer, Editor-in-Chief of Food Logistics and Supply to Chain Executive. And I'm here with my lovely ladies. If you want to go around the room.
1: Hi, I'm Brielle Jacob. I'm the Associate Editor.
0: And I am McKenna Morales, and I am the Assistant Editor. And thank you for joining us. I'm glad we worked this out because about five minutes ago, I had no video. And then when my video came on, I was upside down. So keep an eye out for the bloopers on that something with me. Um, As you can see, we have a guest. I'm very excited. We have Kathy Fulton, the executive director of the American Logistics Aid Network. Welcome, Kathy. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So today we're going to kind of talk about the um, supply chain challenges with regards to natural disasters, especially, um, you know, hurricanes as it is hurricane season. You know, natural disasters happen um, you know, they're kind of one of those things you can't really plan for, but you should prepare for. So we're kind to kind of just dive right into some, you know, questions that we've kind of devised for you. Um, you know, first off, Kathy, what are some things that companies, you know, should be doing to better prep their supply chains for natural disasters, whether it's now or in a couple months, you know, especially with the pandemic going on as well?
2: Yeah, so, so 2020 has been quite a year for disasters kind of coast to coast. Um, and so some of the successes we're seeing where businesses are, are doing well, um, are businesses who've really taken time to understand their supply chain. Um, they've gone back, they've looked at who their suppliers are and not just who their suppliers are, but who their suppliers' suppliers are. It's a mouthful. Um, but really doing that mapping, um, uh, all the way back into their supply chain as far as they can go. And this has helped them understand um, risk, not just from, uh, you know, the, the crises or the disaster itself, but, you know, risk from where they, where their suppliers are located geographically. Um, you know, if, if you were early on in the pandemic, if you were someone who was sourcing out of um, the Asian countries, Well, maybe those blanked failings uh, or uh, regulatory actions were a real challenge for you. So mapping as far back into your supply chain as you possibly can. Um, The other thing is you want to map up. Uh, you know, kind of downstream from yourself as well to understand what are your customer risks going to look like. Um, are suddenly people going to uh, stop purchasing your product for because they are you know quarantining, staying at home because of a pandemic or some other reason? Um, are you geographically dispersed um, with your uh, with your customer base as well? So a, a lot of things uh, you know I think from um, from a mapping perspective really can uh, do a good job of helping. Um, businesses, you know, prepare their supply chains for uh, any type of crisis.
1: Um, So what other procedures are kind of in place to prepare?
2: Yeah, so... um, (laughs) Boy, you know you you can look across the entire suite of um, crisis response, and there are so many things that are done um, by businesses there are things that are done by government, and there are things that are are done by nonprofit organizations. Um, our organization, American Logistics Save Network, really sits at the the middle of all of those, so we're working with businesses, you know, nonprofits, government, just to, to help them be ready. And specifically from a, a logistics and supply chain perspective. Um, so that could be everything from, you know, helping businesses understand what that mapping looks like to helping governments understand what the business environment looks like. Um, and uh, quite honestly, that that involves mapping uh, as well from a geographic perspective, but also uh, uh, has a lot to do with relationship building. And so when I look at what Allen's procedures are for preparing for, for any type of crisis, it's knowing who and where to turn um, to either get support or to offer, uh, offer assistance. So you know we're gonna work with all of our nonprofit partners to understand what their needs are. We're gonna under- work with our business community to understand what their capabilities are. Um, and then we're gonna, we're gonna bring all of that together um, and then that understanding from a logistics and supply chain perspective uh, helps us really um, map the gaps to, you know, understand where there are gaps to be filled, either that uh, our partners in the business community can fill or helping government um, emergency management groups understand where they may have to, to backfill. You know, when you look at... Um, you know, kind of the, the critical supply chains. And I, I think we're probably going to talk about that in a little bit, but, um, you know, specifically around food, food supply comes from so many different places into any particular area. Um, and so really understanding where the, um, where the Pareto portion of that is, you know, can you keep the calories flowing? Um, if there are disruptions in a particular geography or to um, you know something even even within your own geography, um, all of those things are, are true preparedness actions, just really understanding uh, what's happening in your what we would call operating environment.
1: Mm-hmm. And that kind of relates to the question that I have. So is planning for natural natural disasters more important in certain industries?
2: Like grocery or pharmaceuticals? What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> that's a really uh, interesting, interesting question because um, you know we're coming out of this period of time um, with COVID, where uh, we have these uh, industries that are deemed essential industries, and I'm thinking, you know, of of the manufacturers of food and you know the frontline service workers, healthcare. Um, so, yes, and. Um, all of those things that um, that we need to nourish and, and hydrate and provide medical care, all of those um, uh, I- industries really have a burden of planning. Um, but those industries also can't exist in isolation. Um, you can't operate a warehouse if you don't have power. You can't operate a hospital if you don't have water. Um, you know, all of the... Um, uh, it, what, what, uh, FEMA and DHS call lifelines, you know, food, water, shelter, um, power, energy, all of those things really work in concert together. Um, so there are dependencies, you know, just a- across, um, all of these, all these lifeline areas. Um, but we can't operate our, our grocery stores without any of those. Oh, and by the way, transportation and warehousing and the logistics and supply chain activities are, of you know critical importance to make sure all of those things continue to operate um so when you say you know is planning more important in any one industry well yes and i'll just say that again yes and we can't think about everything that it takes to to keep those critical or essential industries running
1: right and that's just so essential to the supply chain too because you can't work without a different sector you all rely on each other
2: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, absolutely.
1: And then how often should companies be updating their supply chain disruption plans?
2: Yeah. Um, So I I love this question because uh, from, and I used to be the person who had to write those, you know, kind of corporate emergency response plans. And, um, you know, uh, when I look back on what I was doing 10 or 15 years ago, boy, I was not doing nearly enough. Um, because it should be ongoing. Um, it, any changes that you're making to your business—if you're adding a new customer, you're adding a new supplier—you need to make sure that you've gone through and um, adjusted your plans accordingly, right? Um, so you need to, you know, when you're when you're talking about testing or updating or anything, um, you need to make sure that you're looking at those individual components uh, in isolation and doing, you know, some form of test, whether it's you know, daily or weekly or monthly, um, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, and then, you know, go to the larger business unit. Is there something that you can do, you know, with, uh, you know, just one of your warehouses or, or one of your transportation, you know, components that, um, that you can do some sort of, of testing to say, okay, if this road were not available, do we know what our al- alternate routes are. If this warehouse is unavailable to ship, um, do, can we pull from another uh, location? What does that mean in terms of serving our customers? Um, and then finally, you know, at least once a year, you should do fo- some form of, of system wide testing. Um, whether that's failing over to your hot site for your for your data backup, or that um, you know uh, pretending that you don't have power for a certain amount of time. Um, even if you're just doing some sort of tabletop where you're talking through what would happen in some type of scenario, um, you're going to be better prepared because it'll be top of mind for you um, when that disruption does occur. Um, there is no one who uh, who operates any type of supply chain right now who has not uh, experienced some type of disruption uh, to to this point. In um, the you know the success stories we're hearing about the people who are being you know who are more resilient are those who have some type of plan those who have had some type of disruption in their past and they understand the flexibility and the mindset that it takes just to kind of soldier through it.
0: What are some things that are part of that plan that that companies need to really be aware of that maybe weren't a part of these disruption plans maybe ten years ago?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Um So. I would say probably 10 years ago, most people didn't think about um, if a hurricane comes through a particular area and wipes out power to a, um, uh, to a neighborhood. How many of your employees live in a particular neighborhood and are now working from home, right? Mm So we've, we've, you know, we went from making sure that all of our buildings where our uh, employees are have backup, you know, power generation. To now, how do we keep ensure that our employees have alternate power sources, alternate um, communication sources, um, if they are distributed and, and disrupted? Um, you know, I, I always advocate for taking care of your employees. You know, I'm thinking about the situation that occurred with uh, with Hurricane Laura uh, along the Gulf Coast down in Southwest Louisiana. Um, you know, we kept hearing story after story of businesses who couldn't operate because their employees had to evacuate. Um, and, you know, it, it's tough to run a, um, you know, a lot of that area is oil refineries and uh, bulk plants and, and whatnot. It, you can't do that without power. That's exactly the same for our modern day warehouses. Um, and um, I'm sorry, I said you can't do it without power. You can't do it without people. Uh, it's same for our modern day warehouses and trucking, right? Um, despite all of the automation that has been put into place, our warehouses still really require people in order to operate them. So, if we want um, people at the end of the supply chain to be able to to go to a grocery store and get food, uh, you know that they that they need to survive, even if it's outside of the impacted area, we really have to make sure that all of the input. Uh, into that supply chain are taken care of. So that means employees protect or employers protecting their employees. Um, it means you know thinking about uh, you know power, alternative power sources. Um, I hear story after story of um, distribution centers who, who didn't think that they were really at risk for a big power outage, so they didn't install a, a generator. Well, then you know something catastrophic happens. Uh, they're suddenly struggling to figure out how are they going to get things. Out of their warehouse, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, you can think about all of the lifelines and, and think about what does that mean. What do those inputs mean for your supply chain? Power, water, uh, uh, fuel, you know, energy, uh, taking care of your, your people from a, a, a food and shelter perspective. Um, so, just I, I would say, just thinking through the DHS FEMA checklist of lifelines and what do those mean for your particular supply chain.
1: So, earlier this year, um, the American Logistics Aid Network was launched. Can you kind of describe um, what this network does and how uh, it can help companies obtain logistics relief?
2: Okay, um, so uh, American Logistics Aid Network Allen um, is uh, has been around since. 2005, right after, right after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, what we launched earlier this year was our Supply Chain Intelligence Center. Um, and so, when I talked earlier about um, about mapping uh, the supply chain, that was one of the the things that we said. You know, how can we help people just get a little bit further along? Um, we were at this point in COVID where um, uh, where uh, all of the state governments and even county governments had decided to. Uh, implement their own non-pharmaceutical interventions. So whether that meant curfews, whether that meant sheltering in place, you know, whether that meant um, regulatory relief, you know, for for transportation for loads of personal protective equipment or whatnot, um, there was no one place that was cataloging all of that information. So we mm-hmm. said, you know what, we we have all of these sources of information. Let's pull that together in one place. We partner with an organization called Risk Pulse. They have a long history of um, predictive analytics for supply chain, um, a lot in the the food uh, arena because of the the temperature sensitivity of of a lot of those food products. Um, And so now we have this beautiful map that tells you what's happening within each state, not just from a COVID perspective, but we also have layers that are provided um, that tell you about the weather. Um, layers that tell you about um, earthquakes or, or anything like that, um, any type of um, uh, um, natural occurring uh, risk that, that's out there, we're laying, layering that into the map. And then we're looking at shared um, infrastructure. So ports and airports, roads and bridges, um, all of those have uh, you know, have are marked within the map, so you can see the impact at any one time from any naturally occurring phenomena. Um, so, for for example, you know, we um, uh, back in uh, back in late August, we had you know hurricanes Marco and and Laura along the Gulf Coast. Um, that also prompted us. We we had all the ports and airports mapped, but it also prompted us to say. You know, we know that the the nation's fuel supply is really at risk if there's a direct impact on you know that that zone between Houston and New Orleans. So we added all of the oil refineries and the oil infrastructure um, that powers the energy uh, for a good portion of the United States. Um, and so that's really a way. It's a free tool. Anybody who wants access can go to our website slash map They can they can request access to it. Um, get a chance to to get in there and see real time what's happening um, within their environment. You know, if they want information about, you know, how it affects their specific assets, um, there's an option for them to, to, up, to upgrade, um, uh, you know, and be able to add kind of their own assets and uh, transportation routes and whatnot. A really cool tool, uh, great partnership with Risk Pulse. And um, it gives uh, not just, you uh, Alan and our partners, but anybody who wants it, more of that real-time visibility to um, keep supply chains moving.
0: Does Alan, I know we've been talking a lot about hurricanes and stuff, but does Alan track other kinds of natural disasters like earthquakes or, you know, big storms that can kind of wipe, you know, when you get buried under feet of snow?
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, uh, we're concerned with anything that has the potential to disrupt supply chain. Um, and the reason for that, you know, we were formed really to um, by the industry to uh, be their response in disaster. Well, disaster may be, you know, a, 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 there may be a crisis for one area. Um, or it may be something really catastrophic like a, a hurricane. But anything that um, has the potential to um, disrupt our supply chain. So when you look at fires, you know, fires have the potential to, to close down interstates, right? Interstates are the way that our supply chains move food. That's the, the primary flow, right? Um, when you look at earthquakes, they disrupt infrastructure, right? So we're constantly uh, working with organizations who are studying Um, Not just what has happened from disasters and and responding to earthquakes and and responding to any earthquakes that that happen, um, but looking at the future of, you know, the big ones, right? So what's going to happen if uh, if Cascadia in the Pacific Northwest or, you know, the San Andreas in California or even New Madrid, which, you know, a lot of people don't know about the New Madrid fault in, you know, kind of Arkansas, Tennessee area, um, all of those. Um, will affect physical property, meaning warehouses and roads and uh, retail outlets. All, all of those types of disasters will disrupt. And ultimately, that means that um, people who live in those areas will be affected and not be able to, to get the nourishment, the hydration and medical care that they need. So we want to we work back upstream um, and help to keep those supply chains moving.
1: And then I have a question to how can these companies ensure that their employees are safe? Because like you can plan for a hurricane, but you can't plan for like a tornado so much. And like Marina was just in that huge directo that hit Iowa and yeah. Illinois. And that was very sudden as well. So what can companies do to plan for their employee safety?
2: Yeah, so, so I, I love that because, um, it, it's, you can, you can do so much to help your employees, even if it is just pointing them to websites with resources, right? Um, so help, I, I love the idea. One of, uh, one of our partners actually brought in, um, all of their employees. Now, in the COVID environment that you have to figure out how to socially distance this, but they, they brought in all their employees to their um, to their warehouse. They each packed their own um, uh, kits, right? So so they were able the, the employer bought all of the things for it. It was, you know, flashlights and shelf stable meals and, and water and, and whatnot. They packed their own, but they also packed one to give away. So it was a really cool way to to help not just their employees have that kit ready to go in their houses. Um, but then to offer that same assistance to, to people in their communities who may not be able to, um, to prepare. So things like that, you know, something very tangible uh, with giving them the, the physical assets that they're going to need, should they need to evacuate or should they need to, to shelter in place. Um, information, um, capabilities of working from home. You know, it, like you said, we won't know uh, of every, every crisis that, that's going to affect us. Yes, tornadoes and earthquakes and and all those things are are what we in emergency management call kind of no notice events. Um, Those no notice events mean that you can't have, you can't have waited till that moment to prepare. Um, You know, uh, we're just coming from September, National Preparedness Month, um, and Um, that's a time where, uh, you know, I love to take the 30 days of September and do one thing every day to get prepared. Maybe it's making sure that I have a hard copy of important phone numbers, making sure that I have, um, uh, you know, even just uh, uh, my prescriptions or, or whatever it is, uh, you know, just a extra of those, or at least know what a full list of those prescriptions looks like, um, being able to have those things and this it's small, right? It takes you know ten or fifteen minutes a day, maybe, to do that, but by the end of thirty days you 've gotten so much further farther along with your preparedness. Um, I've seen companies, uh, take, uh, and do contests for their employees, uh, you know, like, Hey, build your kit, take a picture of it, you know, show us how you're getting prepared. And just make it fun and interactive and, um, it, anything that you can do to encourage or help underwrite that for, for employees is really, uh, really important.
0: I think that's fascinating. And I think it's inspiring because it's not, you know, people think preparedness of, you know, in the facility, you know, but you like you said, when they have to evacuate and move home, um, yeah. or if they're already working remote, you know, that preparedness has to filter over. Um right. just because, you know, you need to be prepared. Um, I apologize, yeah. Priyel um jumped yeah. out. We're having quite a day with technology. Speaking <laughs> of preparedness, I mean it's just one of those days for a computer time So um, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, and I, and I think you bring up some good points because, you know, you can not you can never really be fully prepared because, like you said, the no-no's, no. you know, things happen. I mean, we're in a, in a in a nation now where there's a lot of civil unrest. I know that a lot of stores yeah. by me have had to close down because of looting and rioting and protesting and all that. And you can't really, you know, plan that as well. But it does infiltrate into the supply chain. You know, trucks can't move if you're shutting down streets. Right. Um, and so, you know, I just... I just think it's um, important that all companies take notice of this. Um, And what other kind of advice do you have for companies, um, you know, that could better safeguard? I know you brought up some really good points, but, you know, from an overall company standpoint, what kind of advice do you have?
2: Um, So there's, there's a phrase that a lot of folks in the um, emergency management community use and and they say Semper Gumby. Um, So always be flexible um, because you can create the, yeah, you can create the best plans, um, you know, have them audited and get all of the, the ISO certifications and everything you need. Um, and then something you hadn't thought of it, it can occur. Um, so take be willing to take all of your learnings, take all of your experiences and adapt. Right. Just be flexible. Um, I, you know, I, I know that. Um, After this year with COVID, everyone has learned new adaptation strategies. Um, So, just I I would say, in you know, build them into your culture. Don't don't forget them Um, because if you can survive through six eight months of of pandemic, you can absolutely um,
0: deal with a short
2: term temporal crisis. I love
0: that. I think that's that's such a way to live right now, um, especially with everything going on. Um, Well, Kathy, I appreciate your time. Everybody, this was Kathy Fulton, Executive Director at Allen or American Logistics Aid Network. And they're doing some wonderful things for the community. So I appreciate all of your efforts that you're doing, um, you know, just to help people and, and, you know, special appreciation to all the frontliners out there and everybody who just continues to work day and night to keep these supply chains moving. I know we talk about it every week on Link Live um, how important they are. So, and Brielle is back, <laughs> maybe ish. We are starting to wind down and say our goodbyes, but you came back just in time. So, Kathy, thank you, thank you very much for being a part of today's Link Live, and um, brought up some good tips. Hopefully, everybody takes takes heed of those as we enter um, into the winter months and you know prepare for what's to come with that. <laughs>